0: Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. There isn't a whole lot going on this week, so we are gonna skip the traditional news segment and spend that portion of today's show looking at Nintendo's 2023 so far. Then during the main segment, we're gonna get a review of Oxenfree 2. Joining me for all that is
1: Game Informer's Wesley LeBlanc. Wes, how's it going? It's going good, and I'm excited to be back and talk about a game I really enjoyed. Yeah, for
0: a while there it was like a it was like the Brian and Wesley show. You were yeah. on pretty frequently and it's been a few weeks. I think that was almost yeah. intentional for me at first, where I was like, All right, I've had Wes on way too often, like You violently I, I be... booted me from it. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> You're done, you're done, you're cut. You were begging me to come back. <laughs> no, I want to be respectful of your time. You're a busy guy too. Like we're all busy at Game Informer, but like mm-hmm. you, you can you have a tendency to get fairly busy fairly quickly. So I didn't wanna keep taking up An hour and a half to two and a half hours of your week every single week. So, it couldn't keep me away for long. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, like I said at the top, there wasn't a whole lot going on this week in terms of news for uh, games coming to Nintendo Switch or Nintendo games uh, themselves. So, uh, I thought this was a good opportunity for us to do what we were not able to do in the first couple weeks of july or first couple the last couple of weeks end of june beginning of july and that is we're going to look back at how nintendo is doing since we are at the, just past the halfway point of 2023 so before we jump in and kind of run down the first half of 2023 for nintendo what comes to mind when you first think of that first half of the 2023 campaign
1: So I feel like uh, people are, everybody, 99% of people are going to have the same answer. But my answer, I think, is different. It's actually going to be Fire Emblem Engage. Um, I should preface that with saying I am only like 15 hours into Zelda because I've been busy with other games. So, you know, Zelda is not at the top of my mind, but Fire Emblem Engage was probably one of my favorite games this year. It's got the, I think the highest score I've given a game this year, and I really, really loved it. Yeah, I, I know you were
0: really high on that game and it's like a lot of people almost forgot that it came out this year.
1: Yeah, it was February, I think early February, January, January. Okay, yeah, January is, yeah, that's might as well have been 10 years ago in 2023. <laughs> this year's wild. Are there any
0: like emerging storylines that you think of like, it, like themes or anything like that that you see when you look at Nintendo's 2023 to this point?
1: Um. Hmm. I feel like... It's, it's weird now because uh, I'm, I'm painting like the whole year's picture, even though we haven't gotten Mario and whatnot yet. Um, but 2023 for me has really felt like the Switch's last hurrah. And part of that is that I want it to be the Switch's last hurrah because I'm ready for what's next. But also we got a big new Fire Emblem that was a return to form for what fans wanted of classic Fire Emblem. We got... Um, Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which, you know, is the follow-up to the year one Switch game. We have a new 2D Mario, finally, our first new 2D Mario this gen. Um, It kind of feels like the Switch is reminding us of what it is, which is a powerhouse console that is in the hands of millions of people and has some really great games. And also like a, we're going out with the bang. And I feel like um, that's kind of been Nintendo's message to me as a Switch player this year.
0: Yeah, and it does kind of feel like this might be the final strong year of the Switch. Is it, yeah. it almost it? it there's like a, a a feeling in the air. I don't really have like any like substance to back that up, but that's what it kind of feels like to me. It's like, all right, well, we got Breath of the Wild on day one with the Nintendo Switch. Let's get Tears of the Kingdom out. And then, you know, Super Mario Brothers Wonder looks like an all new thing that it's not really like the new AAA Mario game that we kind of were expecting. But it does look like something that's going to be fun and unique. But I'm wondering if maybe there is a AAA Mario game that's being developed in tandem with this one that will be a launch title for whatever Nintendo has next. That's almost there has my takeaway. Be, yeah.
1: Because yeah. we're not going to have Zelda on day one. I mean, we might get like a port or something, but... Um, we're not going to have a big Breath of the Wild type game like we did with Switch. So uh, a, a Mario Odyssey 2 or whatever they call it makes sense to me. Oh, absolutely. So let's run down the year. I mean, I don't want to
0: dwell too much unless there's anything that pops up that you really want to speak on. But we're just going to run down the first six months of Nintendo's 2023 and just the the bigger games that came to it. I mean, there's obviously more games than what we're going to talk about that did come to Switch. I mean, just look at the eShop. There's... Hundreds upon hundreds of games that I feel hit every single month. We are not gonna yeah. do that. There's only three games that I want to talk about in January. I guess four. One of them, two of them are kind of lumped into one release. But January brought us Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable. That's the those are the ones that were lumped into one release. Fire Emblem Engage, and then we also got Goldeneye 007 from the N64 oh, yeah. days. That was brought- January. That was. Oh my gosh. Crazy. So you you may recall that uh, GoldenEye 007 came as kind of part of an agreement between Microsoft and Nintendo, where Xbox got kind of like the enhanced edition with like the modern controls and up-res textures and everything. And the Switch got kind of the more faithful N64 version where like, you know, it's kind of the the standard N64 controls and everything. But you do get the online play, which isn't through the game itself. It's just purely through the Nintendo Switch Online N64 capabilities that exist with all of their games. So it is kind of a cool release in that it was like cooperatively uh, released on both Xbox and Switch because, you know, Xbox owns Rare. So That was kind of the story behind that. But you already talked about your love of Fire Emblem Engage. Do, you, do either of the other releases in January really warrant any further discussion?
1: Um, Probably not for me, only because literally I, I played Fire Emblem Engage all of January. Um mm-hmm. I, I dabbled in Goldeneye, and it was my first time ever playing it. And I think it's one of those, like, you have to be there type games for me. because It was a
0: time it, and place thing, for sure.
1: Yeah, and it just wasn't. And play, I mean, multiplayer was the big thing that people loved. So just playing the single player um, didn't really do anything for me. I'm more of an agent under fire on PS2 kind of guy.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. But <laughs> GoldenEye 007, it, it really changed the landscape back when it released in the 90s of like, everybody was like, oh, well, if you're going to play an FPS, it's got to be on the PC. That's the only way to play an FPS. And GoldenEye was like, well, here's a really great FPS that you can play. That's not only a cool single single player game but also has an amazing multiplayer component that unfortunately it sounds like you're not able to fully enjoy given the the limitations of this release. I mean, there, um, Kyle and I played a little bit of the the multiplayer and it was fun.
1: Well, it it's, must be nice to have friends, Brian. <laughs> well, you have coworkers, if nothing else. <laughs> we all have Nintendo Switches. That's true, that's true. No, I just, um, I played like the first two levels and I was like, eh, it's not really, not really for me.
0: Yeah, and... Persona 4 Golden, I do really want to sing the praises of that release coming to Switch. Persona 3 Portable, not so much. Persona 4 Golden, one of the greatest RPGs of this century. I feel comfortable saying that. I think Persona yeah. 5 is a better RPG. Persona 4 Golden, I, I've talked about it on this show before where I kind of slept on it when it came to Vita. Everybody was like, oh my god, we're getting the definitive version on Vita. So I bought it day one when it came to Vita. And I played it for about an hour and a half, two hours and put it down. I was like, this might not be for me. It's way too text heavy. I don't even know if I'm going to like the game. I'm sitting through a visual novel right now. Yeah. I put it away. Didn't ever look back. And then I played Persona 5 on PS4 when it first came out in 2017. Absolutely enamored by it. So that ultimately, once I finished Persona 5, I went back and played Persona 4 Golden and adored it. I loved it once I finally pushed through that slow intro mm-hmm. and the I'm gap happy that is not, it's on switch.
1: The gap's not big between 5 and 4, which is wild because the games are over a decade apart. Um I played 4 a Golden on vita as well and I, I I do like 5 more. Um but like it's shocking how much how well Persona has nailed what it is throughout time. Um like going as far back as 2 Persona has known what it is and has done really well at being that and now every new persona is just kind of like them celebrating themselves more i guess if that makes sense
0: yeah and persona 3 portable i know there are some defenders of this version of the game it just feels like half-hearted the way they ported it to switch like the when i played it at least I, i started it and the voice lines were getting cut off and it it just sucks that like we got the the psp version of this game because it, like the the cutscenes are just basically like stills. They're not yeah. like it, it, I don't know. It just felt like why did we not get like at least an upgraded version of this other? Because there were like what three versions? There was Persona Three,
1: FES, there was and then Fez portable and portable. Yeah.
0: And it's like I feel like if there was some way that they could have combined all the features of one and into one that would have been the ideal version. I know that they are doing a Persona 3 remake now.
1: I think that's coming out next year. But but it's it's not going to switch. And it still doesn't combine those. Like, it's it's not going to have the um, female protagonist uh, side of things. Isn't it?
0: Come on. They're going to do that as paid DLC. Almost so.
1: That would be... I mean, people would eat it up, myself included. But, like... Uh, that's that's so greedy in my i mean opinion. that's my prediction i, I don't they <laughs> yeah. haven't
0: said anything but i would be shocked if they didn't like put this out put the persona 3 remake out which again is not coming to switch so the switch owners are stuck with persona 3 portable however i bet they're gonna put out persona 3 remake people are gonna play through it they're gonna give people like six months and then they're gonna maybe at e3 or summer game fest i guess uh they're gonna announce that like oh the playable female protagonist is getting added as like a ten dollar DLC. Because doesn't just that, that say, also say Persona changes 3 a lot,
1: right? Royal or something and then charge us $60 oh, for true. that DLC.
0: Yeah, that's possible as well. And on Switch, yeah. Alright, so let's move on to February. There's a lot of games that came out this February. And uh again, I'm gonna rattle them off. I know that there's a couple you're probably gonna want to talk about. There's a couple I want to talk about. The Pathless, Metroid Prime Remastered, Theatre Rhythm Final Bar Line. Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, Octopath Traveler 2, and Ritmos. So I I know the two that you probably want to talk about, and they are two that you reviewed for us, but which yeah. one do you want to start with?
1: Um I'll start with Ritmos because I still play around with that game every now and then. Um I don't even remember why I picked it up. I think it just like was one of those instances where PR was like, hey, we think you might like this game. Here's a code. And I played it and it was one of those I beat it in two sessions kind of games. Um but yeah, just a fun little rhythm game with like a special emphasis on the musicality of rhythm. Like the team clearly knows or put in the work to like research the different instruments and the different eras of music going back as like 1960s Ethiopian jazz and just like fun different types of music you don't typically hear in rhythm games. Um and I really appreciated that as someone who like plays music. Um, and it was also like four to five hours long, great puzzles, great little rhythm puzzles took me an evening or two evenings to beat. Um, and every time you unlock an instrument, you can like kind of create your own tracks with it. They have like a, a loop track thing built into the game. Um, and so it's fun to just mess around with that every now and then. Um, yeah, it's, it's always fun with the little when a little indie game like that comes through and, and shines bright.
0: It seemed like a very cool game, the way you were describing it. It's on my list of games I want to play before we get to kind of like the end of the year so we can talk about like the best games of 2023. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you actually did take the time to go through that because it, it just added to my, my pile of games that I need to check <laughs> out, which I'm still making my way through one of your favorite games of the year, which is Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. And it's just hard because, you know, I've, I've been reviewing other games. So it's like a lot of my free time has been going to those games. And also, you know, life is busy as well.
1: So it's, yeah, no, this year is like, it's an onslaught. I, I don't, I don't want to say it now, but like, I do think 2023 could be one of the best years in gaming if the rest of the year pans out as well as this first half. It's, it's, I feel obliterated in the best way as a gamer. <laughs> oh, for sure. There are so many great games that have already come out as we're Talking
0: about on this segment, and then so many still to come, even outside the world, Nintendo. I mean, when you look at things like Alan Wake 2 and Spider Man 2, Starfield, Starfield, (laughs) it's just like, man, and also like worth noting. When October rolls around, or yeah, October, right? That's when Spider-Man yeah. Two, Alan Wake Two, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder all come out within like Stay three days of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna be drowning, but in a good way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Except for us, we're gonna be drowning in a bad way. The people who cover this this industry professionally, we're gonna be drowning in kind of the bad way. But all uh, us as gamers are gonna be drowning in a good way. Yeah, it'll be busy for sure. So the one that I want to talk about first is Metroid Prime Remaster. Actually, let me let me just lump both of these in to the same talking point: Metroid Prime Remastered and Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Both of these are remasters of previous games from Nintendo's catalog. Metroid Prime obviously was a GameCube game. Kirby's Return to Dreamland was a Wii title. Both of these have received up up uh, upgraded textures and HD treatments and everything and Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe is the lesser of the upgrades, but it's still a pretty successful upgrade. Added a whole epilogue, added some new powers for Kirby, and it's already a very good game. So I was happy with that. I think I I gave it like an eight point five or an eight point seven five. Like it, it's a very solid Kirby two D side scroller, and I'm I'm happy that it exists on the Switch. However, if we're talking remastered games that came out on Switch in February, you can't do better than Metroid Prime Remastered. That game looks so much better. They redid the visuals. They redid the controls to f- play like a modern FPS. Like, it, there are some spots around that, like, it makes you feel like, all right, this, this is an older game. This is a 20-year-old game. Mm-hmm. But if you told an uninformed person, like somebody who'd never heard of Metroid Prime, and you said, hey, this is this brand new game called metroid prime it just came out on switch this year somebody could pick it up and realistically be fooled that this is a new game on switch
1: because it looks and plays that well and it's just a remaster technically which is wild like i know a lot of people are like why are they calling this remaster this feels so much more than what we typically refer to as remaster
0: i mean it almost feels like they should have gone the other way with this like call it metroid prime deluxe and Kirby's yeah. Return to Dreamland Remastered.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But no, those the, so those are the two I wanted to shout at. And I know that you have a lot of love for this last game, which is Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line.
1: Yes. Yeah. Another one of my higher reviewed games this year. I think I gave it a nine. Um, maybe even a 9.5, I don't remember. Um, but gosh, yeah, it's I've loved the Theater Rhythm series since its inception. I just love Final Fantasy music, I think it's the best catalog of music in all of games. Um, and then to get to play this version, which is clearly the definitive version of that series with music from games that came out between like the last one on 3DS and this one, it was just so fun. It's still a game I play. Pretty much every month, like if I'm on a plane, that's the game I'm playing. It's it's relaxing, it's calming, it's fun, it's pretty, and um, yeah, I just I, I adore it. I adore every aspect of the game. The multiplayer stuff is a little hit or miss for me, but I don't really. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to to play some Final Fantasy music, and uh, it's a game that has stuck with me throughout this year. And they keep releasing new music from other yeah. Square Enix franchises. Like, we just got the Saga stuff
0: not too long ago. I think Kroner was also
1: near. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a great
0: job of supporting that title. And, you know, obviously the amazing catalog of Final Fantasy music is yeah. present and accounted for. And, it, and now we've got
1: 16. I'd love to see them add some 16 DLC.
0: That would be, I mean, that's the logical next step, right? Like, after they yeah. get through like this, like, oh, we're going to do other franchises, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year we get some 16 music. I uh, hope we'll see that 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 they would be so weird if they didn't. Yeah, it would. Uh, let's move on to March. I, again, two games I want to shout out here, but I'm going to run down the ones that I think are noteworthy that hit switch in March. And that is dead cells Return to Castlevania legend of heroes, trails to Azure, Bayonetta origins, Syriza and the lost demon, MLB, the show 23 and dredge. So do any of these stick out as ones you want to talk about?
1: I didn't actually play any of these, but I think um, Origins, Bayonetta Origins is worth mentioning. Um, I remember people not being so hot on that game going into it just because it's not really what you want out of a Bayonetta. And I know like quite a few people who really, really loved that game. Um, And I just thought that was it's fun to see a company take big swings like that in terms of gameplay with Mm -hmm. with a storied franchise like Bayonetta. And then it just pays off uh, in dividends. Like To to go up against the people that were like, this is not what we want from this franchise, and then be like, no, actually, it is what you want. Um, It's always fun to see companies do that.
0: So I did not actually play it either, but I do know that it seemed to change a lot of hearts and minds when it finally did come out. Yeah. Um, Another one I didn't play, but I think bears mentioning, uh, is Dredge. Because that, yes. that game blew up for a little bit there. Um, I've played a, a very little bit of it to the point that I was just like, I don't know if this is necessarily for me. But, you know, it's kind of a new twist on like the fishing genre where you're going out and like catching kind of like Lovecraftian horrors and bringing them back and selling them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very fun indie game for people who can kind of get into the loop. And I know plenty of people who have gotten kind of just completely absorbed by that game. Yeah. Uh, the two that I wanted to shout out, I and mean, it should be no surprise, but MLB The Show 23, I reviewed that for us on PS5. Obviously, the Switch version is not going to be nearly as impressive. It's, I think it's based on the last-gen version anyway, and even then, it's kind of like a down-res version of that. But from what I played of the Switch version, it does run pretty well, and if you're looking for a uh, an MLB game on the go, it's very competent. It did have my Switch kind of humming a little bit in terms of like <laughs> that fan so it might be kind of pushing the switch to its limit, but it didn't seem like it was really like having too many hiccups or anything, at least the the limited amount that I did play just to make sure that it wasn't a broken mess. Um, and then the one that was my favorite of the month was Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. That got me full on back into Dead Cells. I loved every moment of playing the, the Castlevania expansion. And man, Dead Cells is just a special game. And that expansion was so good. I, I've talked in the past about how Castlevania was one of the very first video games I ever played, period, On back on back in the NES days. So to have Dead Cells, which takes so many cues from the Castlevania franchise, paying direct homage to the franchise that basically made it, that's that's just an awesome combination. And I, I really think that people should check that out if they have not already. And they sell it, it's like a full bundle where you can get like, the Dead Cells Return to Castlevania bundle. And it includes, yeah. I think, all of the expansions to this point. It's like, I think, I want to say it's like $40. I might be wrong on that, but it's reasonable for all the content that you get.
1: Yeah, so they've been supporting that. that game for like, what, seven
0: years now or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, and I I, I I'm, a, I am don't know if that's the last expansion. I think they might have like a couple more in them, but it's, gonna, it, it's just a terrific package and so much content at this point and one of the best roguelite Games I've ever played. So let's move on to April. Uh, run down this list real quick. There's a not a whole lot that I want to talk about personally, but there's a couple that I imagine you'll want to. So there's Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Series, Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp, Strayed Lights, Desta: The Memories Between, and Bramble: The Mountain King. So Ooh, I'm going to okay. set you up here because I know you like Straight Lights. So uh, tell yeah. people why that is a solid game if they missed that episode.
1: So Straight Lights is another one of those games that kind of just came through my email and I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. And I ended up beating it. I think I beat that one in like one sitting. It was like five or six hours, but it was that good that I wanted to play for six hours straight. Um, basically, it's like this really pretty alien-esque game. Like you're, you're a little light ember thing on a planet that's very alien to you. Lots of beautiful hues of purple and pink and neon. Um, And the focus is really just like this unique combat where enemies can be orange or blue and you can transform your little ember into orange or blue. And you need to do that to match their attacks. So not only are you trying to parry and like keep up with them in offense, but you also need to switch colors on the fly to match their offensive moves. Um, and as someone who like really enjoys that type of combat, like parrying and dodging and whatnot, kind of like the soulsborn esque stuff, it was fun to see a new twist on that formula where you're parrying and you're dodging, but you also need to like keep up with that whole other mechanic, which is switching the colors. Um, really fun score. I want to say off the top, of my head, I think it was Austin wintry that did that score, um, or maybe somebody associated with him, but he's the guy that did Journey. Uh, yeah, yeah, Austin is very talented. Yes, he's awesome. Um, great little game. If you got uh, if you're looking for a fun weekend game to play at night, it's it's perfect. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, and your description of it sold me on it, and I went to go check it out. And and of course it's just on my pile of games that I need to yeah. still play <laughs> because so many things have hit this year. Um, and you know, around that time was when we received advanced codes for Tears of the Kingdom, which just absorbed my life for a few uh, weeks yeah. there. Um, the ones that I want to shout out are final fantasy pixel remaster series. I briefly checked those out. Um, I know that some people still have problems with the way that these are presented. And of course I would rather them be just remade in the HD 2d style, but that's probably a lot more work than just these pixel remasters are, but I'm happy that we have final fantasy one through six now on switch. That's, that's amazing. Um, and Advance Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp, it's one that I only played a little bit of, but it was um, it's a really great remake of those games, those those two amazing turn-based strategy titles from the, the Game Boy Advance. So those are two that I think are worth checking out and two that are very noteworthy. I know for a while there you were talking about Bramble the Mountain King. Uh, yeah, did you
1: play a whole lot of that? Um, I didn't get to to play too much. I did an NGT of it, which you can watch on Game Informer's YouTube channel. Um, it's one I want to go back to, but it's like a it's kind of like um, little nightmares esque in terms of gameplay. But it's um, about like uh, I want to say Norwegian folklore, or Nordic folklore, hmm. um, and it's very visually distinct and violent as a result. Like it's not like the folklore that like you. Uh, like a Disney movie gets made out of. It's the kind where like parents tell their kids this to scare the kids from going into the woods without supervision. Um, there's like trolls just like tearing kids in half and all kinds of like very violent, but fun stuff like that. And um, it's one I want to get back to. It's It seems like a lot of fun and it's kind of right up my alley. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually beaten it yet.
0: Yeah, the way you were describing it sounded really neat and it's I, I didn't even get to get around to downloading this one like I did with Straight Lights. It's just like <laughs> maybe one day. We need a year uh, off.
1: We need a year off from games. Like every yes. developer should stop in 2024.
0: No, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what's going to be happening in Hollywood with the actors and yeah. writers both on strike now. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, May uh, uh Pretty big crater here because this is the year or the month that The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out. We have talked at length about that game, two pretty much two entire episodes devoted to that. Our thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but out, outside of that, there was Super Dungeon Maker, which is basically like Mario Maker for like a Zelda style game. It's not Nintendo developed, but it was an indie developer that put out a, a basically a Mario Maker style Zelda game. Which mm-hmm. I, I fooled around with it a little bit. It's a little unintuitive at first with the gamepad i'm imagining that the tools were developed for mouse and keyboard but i i was able to make like a cool little thing and with somewhat minimal effort and i would imagine if i was able to devote the time that i wanted to devote to it i would be able to make a lot
1: cooler stuff so you're telling Um, me making a zelda dungeon is easy And Nintendo doesn't deserve Uh, (laughs) praise. I'm saying that they they gave us pretty decent tools, maybe not as
0: intuitive as Mario makers. But yeah, Super Dungeon Maker seems like a uh, a fun little like non Zelda maker, but totally Zelda maker game. Yeah, Uh, we also got a switch port of the Dark Pictures Anthology Man of Medan and then Lego 2K Drive. So I guess we'll just start with Tears of the Kingdom. You said you're about 15 hours in. What are your thoughts on that game overall so far?
1: I really like it, but it came out at an extremely or like I got around to it in a pretty overwhelming period of my life, um, which I basically have just described as the great Final Fantasy 16 of 2023 because I did the cover story and I went to Tokyo for that. I came back and wrote my biggest cover story and then I wrote like 24 features for our online hub. And then right when I finished that up, I got code for the game, which was right about when I was going to start playing Zelda. So I kind of played... I've, I tried to play some Zelda like alongside Final Fantasy, but that game turned out to be pretty big. So I just ended up devoting all my time. Um, and now I'm still like in the catch-up phase. But those 15 hours I played of Zelda, I really, really enjoy. I'm not sure yet if I am sold on it more than I was Breath of the Wild, but I don't know. That's because I'm thinking about my 150 hours of Breath of the Wild versus 15 hours in tears. Um, I'm not very good at like Building in any game, I just don't have the creativity for that, and so it's a little overwhelming um, trying to learn these systems. But everything I've read about the game says, like, yeah, those first twenty hours can be somewhat tough because you really got to get a handle on the systems at play here. But then it like kind of just clicks into place, and I am looking forward to getting to that section. Um, that said, everything outside of the new uh, abilities with his arm, I am um, loving it. it's. It's so good to be back in this world, and. Um, Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's the sequel to the Breath of the Wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm having this kind of struggle internally where after I finished Tears of the Kingdom, which I'm still playing around in the world, I'm not really like I obviously have beaten the game and rolled credits, but like still playing around in the world. I'm like, man, I think this is a better game than Breath of the Wild but do I want to consider this my favorite game of all time? Because Breath of the Wild currently occupies that. Like,
1: Ah, I think
0: that the feeling that Breath of the Wild gave me when it first came out will be very difficult to top. Whereas Tears of the Kingdom, I may be able to objectively say it is a better game than Breath of the Wild, but I don't think that... I think because Breath of the Wild came before it, Tears of the Kingdom's impact on me personally was lessened. So it's kind of like this internal struggle of like, all right, well can I acknowledge this game is better while still saying that breath of the wild is my favorite game of all time. When like, I think about it and I'm like, I think I would rather replay tears, of the kingdom than replay breath of the wild right now.
1: Yeah. That's and it's tough. It's, it's,
0: it's, tru- it's tough to kind of reconcile that.
1: It's fine. I get that for sure. I am in the camp of like, my favorite game of all time is uh final fantasy 13, which is like nowhere near the best final fantasy um, or even like, one of the best games I've played, but it is, it's funny how we like intrinsically tie so much more that happens outside of the game to our favorite games of all time. Like for you, I imagine it's, you know, you're a Nintendo guy. It's the launch of a new Nintendo console. You're playing this game. That's wildly different from the Zelda you've played for years. And so like, yes, not only is breath of the wild, a great game, but it's also like, it's time and place has such an impact on what you feel about that game, which is kind of how I am with final fantasy 13. It's the first one I bought with my own money and played through by myself. Like there's so much more outside of the game that goes into picking our favorite games. So it's weird whenever a sequel like tears of the kingdom comes out where it's clearly better, but you're like, I don't know if it takes the top spot though.
0: It's so hard because I just, Oh man. Like Because I even went back four years after uh, Breath of the Wild came out. I was even thinking that in my head. Like, all right, did I really love this game that much? Or was it just like, oh, I'm so excited to have a new Zelda game that challenges like kind of the conventions of the Zelda franchise. And it's also on a brand new system. Like, and did I get just like overly excited with like what I thought about Breath of the Wild? And I played it four years after release, and I was like, no, this is every bit <laughs> as special as I thought it was when it first came out. Yeah. And I even wrote a feature about that on GameInformer.com. So I, it's very it's it's gonna be a struggle for me. I think Tears of the Kingdom, it still deserves like a, a very high spot on my favorite games of all time. And it's impossible to overstate its impact in the gaming landscape as a whole this this year. And yeah. I mean it's it's gonna be hard to think of anything that Could realistically challenge it in terms of like not only game of the year, but also like the biggest story of 2023. Mm -hmm. Like it's just taken over social media. It's taken over so many people's lives. Like I I was listening to like podcasts that have nothing to do with gaming and they're bringing up tears of the kingdom. Like that's when you know that a game has, like, transcended just, like, the games industry, right? Like, oh, yeah.
1: There's, like, what, celebrities out there. I mean, not to say celebrities can't be gamers, too, but, like, I've seen celebrities who otherwise tweet about wrestling or music that they make of them playing Tears of the Kingdom, which is wild.
0: I mean, I think that, uh I think it was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who just had, like, this on Blue Sky. At one point, she had, like, A post that just said like eat sleep tears of the kingdom or something like that i'm like that's (laughs) That's amazing yeah (laughs) uh but one other one that i did want to bring up in the month of may was one that i don't know if you played the final version but you went to a preview event for this game lego 2k drive talk to me a little bit about that one because i have not dived into this one yet
1: so it's weird they kind of released lego 2k drive as if it's not going to be a great game like they kind of Dropped it out of nowhere. They the weird the way they sent out codes is strange. There wasn't like too much press around the like launch of the game, but it's like a pretty great racing game. Um, I haven't beaten it or anything. I'm and I'm playing some of it on PlayStation Five with my um, nephew who's eight, and um, it's like it's a lot of fun. It has the charm and humor that you've come to expect out of Lego, which is my nephew laughs at some jokes and I laugh at other ones that go over his head. There's uh, water racing. You can uh, like if you. If you're off track, your car transforms into like an ATV. And then if you go into water, it transforms into a boat. And it does that throughout races and throughout the open world. And it's just so fun to watch the Lego cars build themselves back up like with the bricks and stuff. Um, it's ex- if If I told you open world Lego racing game is good, it's exactly what you'd imagine. I mean, it's not doing anything too wild here, but I don't know. There's something special about it, an entire game made of Legos. It never gets old to see that. And how much building is in that? Because you specifically told me you don't really like
0: building stuff in games. Yeah,
1: so you can get crazy with building and build all kinds of stuff and players can upload their creations and all that. Or you can just kind of buy cars that you want. Um, you can't build a car that uh, isn't drivable. Like they have parameters in the building where like, okay, if this works, that it will be drivable on a track. Um, so there's no fear there. Uh, but yeah, it's not, I don't, it's it's too much I'm, I'm bad at building real life legos even with the instructions so like doing it in a game virtually is even worse for me
0: <laughs> well at least there was one game that let you just build beyond your wildest dreams and that was super dungeon maker all right let's move on to june <laughs> the final month that we are going to cover here uh lots of games came out in june the biggest ones did not come to switch you know the the, mm. the street fighters the Diablos, the Final Fantasy 16s, those did not come to Switch. But Switch still got a decent run of games here. So I'm going to run down, I think this is the longest list of games that I have here. Uh, Etrian Odyssey Collection, Super Mega Baseball 4, Dordone, Pikmin 1, Pikmin 2, Sonic Origins Plus, Crime O'Clock, Everybody 1-2 Switch, and Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Do any of those stick out for you?
1: Yeah, Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2. Um, Pikmin's awesome. More people should play it. I think if more people played it, it'd be a bigger franchise because it rules. A uh, little frustrating they waited that long to put them out. I mean, I get that it was like right before the release of 4. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, why couldn't we... like? The Switch has been around for so long and people have been wanting these games for so long. We got Pikmin 3 Deluxe, like why not drop the other two? Instead, now people have to play one. Presumably, if they want to get into the franchise, they're going to try to play one, two, and three in a month's time. Um, but fortunately, these games are great. I'm I'm currently playing through Pikmin 2 right now. I'm about halfway through. And it's just so, it's so fun and charming. Um, I think Pikmin 2 loses a little bit of luster because in the original release, all the treasures you collect were like real-world items, like a Duracell battery um, or a Dr. Pepper can, and they have taken out all those real-world references, probably because of licensing and copyright and all that. But the Nintendo references are still in there, so you'll find like a box of matches with Bowser on it, and your character's like, who is this weird turtle dude with spikes on his shell? <laughs> um, it's just It's a fun little adorable puzzle game, and I think more people should play it. I'm very stoked to have those on my Switch.
0: I started Pikmin 1 for the first time when these came out just so I could give some some brief impressions on the show and I loved what I played but I was like you know what? I just I think I'm just going to wait for 4
1: because That's
0: fair. it seems like 4 is taking a lot of advancements we're going to talk all about 4 on next week's show because I think that is the release date so we can talk about it freely um if you want to hear Kyle's early impressions you can go back last week or two weeks ago, whatever, just, just look on your podcast feed for the Pikmin four preview. I think it was last week's episode. Um, So yeah, plenty of stuff to talk about with Pikmin right now. One and two came out last month Four comes out this month. So yeah, Pikmin one and two were very exciting releases that they basically just shadow dropped during the Nintendo direct. Uh, But I would have also loved if they released it even just a couple months earlier. So people would have the chance to play through them before four, because They didn't have a whole lot of runway with the way they released these.
1: They're short, but like if you're new to the game or new to the series and you want to try to get caught up playing three games before the release of a fourth is daunting. Like Mm -hmm. overall, probably 20 hours of gameplay, but like it's it's three games. It's yeah, I wish they would have dropped them earlier.
0: So the ones that I want to call out here (laughs) are Super Mega Baseball 4. Talked about MLB earlier. Super Mega Baseball 4 is just a very solid arcade style baseball game. And uh, they mixed in real world legends with like the kind of roster of uh, fake characters that they've cultivated over the course of their first three entries and just customization galore. You can make your own logos. You can make you you rename all the players, create a team full of whatever players you want. Like I created a, a team full of like my favorite players from the 90s that weren't in the game already. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Sonic Origins Plus, you know, it's basically the same thing as the collection that came out last year, but it adds Knuckles into Sonic CD and Amy as a playable character in all of the other versions or all the other games. The Game Gear collection that is included is not great. Um, it, it, some of them have like a lot of frame rate drops. Some of them have uh, really crappy sound. And I wish that like the ones that had the, the Master System versions... Because the screen is a little bit wider, that, that's very important in a Sonic game. And I wish they would have included those instead of the Game Gear versions. I wish they just would have said mm-hmm. it was the 8-bit collection instead of the Game Gear collection. Because that would be a, a better way to play those games, especially on a console. So Sonic Origins Plus, my, my headline for my impressions piece was two steps forward, one step back. And I fully agree with that. I think it is a better overall collection than the original Sonic Origins. But there's some stuff that's like, ah, it still isn't awesome. Yeah. And then the last one is everybody one to switch. I gave my full impressions in the last episode. And I just think it's a fun party game. It's not the mess that the first one two switch was. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I wish I could have people over right now to, to play this game because like I want to play more of it. And I want to be able to fully flesh out my opinions. And I want to just experience kind of more of the zaniness that comes from the mini games in there. So yeah, those are the games that we wanted to talk about. I did not include the early parts of July because we're just looking purely at the first half of 2023. But now that we've run down this, if you had to sum up Nintendo's first half of the year in like one or two sentences, how would you do it?
1: Hmm. Probably the standout winner of 2023 so far from i guess like from a first party standpoint at least actually no i'll say i don't know i think the switch is firing on all cylinders that's that's an easy way to sum it up like i'm getting everything i want out of my switch in the first half of 2023
0: it has been a very strong first half for nintendo um I, i are they do they are they the best first party developer right now like in terms of like their output
1: this year for sure. What's best
0: What about this best developer period right now? Like if you look at just the first half of 2023, is Nintendo and like their creations the best of any company?
1: I think so. I'm gonna say I'm pulling up my list of games I've beaten this year, but I think I want to say that oh gosh, come on.
0: I mean they have Fire Emblem, which is a first-party title. They have Tears of the Kingdom, which is a first-party title. Um yeah, I mean, they won to Switch. You know, people like to poke fun at it, but it was fun. Kirby's Return yeah. to Dreamland Deluxe.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm looking at my list of games I've beaten this year, and I can confidently say that Nintendo has has won. Even just even on the amount of games I've beaten this year, Switch is number one for me. Um, and then when you look at the quality, yeah, I think they're pretty unmatched. I mean, that said, Xbox's big hoorahs this year with Starfield and, and PlayStation is Spider-Man. Um, but also Xbox put out Redfall this year and that was a, you know, a huge dud. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it has Nintendo missed this year at all. I mean, some people would argue that everybody want to switch is
0: not a great game. Like, I don't know what the sure, Meta score is. Were but we like- expecting
1: it to be? Like I, I feel like it was either what people expected, or maybe even better in some. I cases. don't think there's any,
0: there's no games that I don't think that they've put out that were just like really excited for. Like people were for Redfall, and then it came out, and people were like, "Oh, this kind of sucks."
1: Are there any that did that have done that recently? I guess Pokemon, depending on. Yeah, where depending on fall, what you want
0: to. Yeah, I mean that's probably the closest we had. Even though I do maintain that it was a very good game beneath all those technical problems, and
1: oh, I agree. I yeah. think I
0: gave it an eight. 8 or 8.25 out of 10 and i I do stand by that because like the technical problems yes egregious but that game's like a nine if it doesn't have the technical problems So that almost drops at a full point
1: those were my favorites in quite a while i liked a good bit more than sword and shield
0: yeah so look at tears of the kingdom clear biggest game of the year so far yeah what's second is it going to be fire emblem on switch yeah
1: for this year uh for me it's it's fire emblem yeah from first party
0: what about just overall on switch
1: i'm probably tied between theater rhythm and uh fire emblem to be honest uh theater rhythm i just keep coming back to but fire emblem's not really made for that so um it's tough but yeah i think those two are kind of neck and neck for me but i do think tears of the kingdom is like probably standing above both of them yeah,
0: I keep going back to Metroid Prime Remastered as like my answer for like the second one. Yeah, and I know it's just like a remaster, but they went above and beyond for that one. Do you think um, we're
1: gonna get two and three anytime soon?
0: I would love it. I don't. I mean, that seemed like almost like it was they were setting the table for it because people have been wanting the trilogy. But that, I think that's gonna take a little bit more work because three, at least, was like or no, two and three were both motion control games, right? I think so. Or was I'm it sure just I three? I forget because I, I, I never played them either. I forget which one was like the first Wii title. Um but let's 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 do a report card here for Nintendo. Yeah. For Nintendo exclusives, what grade would you hand out? Just the ones that are exclusive to Switch this year.
1: Ooh, probably uh I mean an A. I'm gonna give them an A for sure. Tears of the yeah. Kingdom alone gives them an A, I think.
0: Yeah, they they've had a great year so far. I'm also going to give them an A. But what about for third-party support?
1: Hmm. I mean I think I think I could give them an A as well. There's no other than maybe like no, I can't I can't think of any big third-party games where I was like I'm bummed this isn't on Switch because this is like a Switch game for me. What I want to play on Switch and a third-party realm has come to Switch, and I've played it there.
0: I can like, think of a few of them. I can think of a few. One of them is Street Fighter 6. It's just bewildering to me that Capcom continues to kind of ignore the Switch and Nintendo with subsequent new entries. Like
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It's very weird to me, especially since the SNES is where a lot of people really attach themselves to Street Fighter 2. And I asked the director and the producer if like there's ever, if it's ever going to come back to Nintendo consoles and they're basically like, "Yeah, we hope so.
1: So it's like, (laughs) okay, well, they're the ones that have to do that. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, they're not the ones that make the decision ultimately. That's true. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. But I, I, Street Fighter six is the big one that sticks out to me. Obviously I would love to have final fantasy 16 on switch, but I, I think that would, come yeah. at a pretty significant cost to the game itself. I mean and it's also, also PlayStation like, exclusive.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Um outside of that, maybe Diablo 4, because Diablo 3 is on Switch, so it feels Ooh, a little actually, weird. Actually that... yeah
1: that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good shout out. Diablo on Switch would make a lot of sense. Um hmm. okay, there are a lot yeah. of
0: games that are coming to Switch that you to your point, yes, they are very good additions to the library we we did get the persona games that i mentioned before um it's not the first half of 2023 but we're getting vampire survivors which is a big one that i've wanted for switch for a long time
1: was Neon white earlier this year was that last year
0: neon white was last year
1: okay dang i played Um, it this year so
0: i'm gonna give them a b for third party support
1: that's fair yeah you named some good um examples I didn't think of namely, especially when we uh, have
0: Mortal Kombat one coming to switch and Street Fighter 6 is not and I know like I was, I spent my last night playing Street Fighter 6 with a friend yeah and it's like yeah this is visually stunning beautiful game it runs like butter but I feel like if Mortal Kombat one can bring a a, a good port over to switch a Street Fighter 6 probably
1: could as well and it's native too like we asked Ed Boone at sgf and he said it's it's not a cloud version so yeah yeah and i think mortal Kombat's probably pushing hardware more visually than street fighter both are very very pretty but i don't know i think with all the blood and guts and stuff mortal Kombat might edge it out visually maybe yeah all right let's uh single player games what score would you give them single player games hmm as in games that like have a single player mode or like
0: like just like you think about like
1: playing a game in
0: as a single player,
1: like oh, okay. how gotcha. good is the
0: experience of um, playing as a single player on Nintendo Switch?
1: This year, it's been an A for me. This has been I like a, pro, one of my favorite years for Switch. Um, I think of Fire Emblem Engage. I played that. I mean, there's multiplayer, but I I dipped into that to make sure it was running and and did its part for the review. But that's a that's a single player game for me. Same with Theater Rhythm. Uh, Ritmos is a single-player game. Straight Lights, single-player. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, single-player. Uh, Cosmic Shake, I didn't play it on Switch, but that's on Switch and it's a single-player game. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff for people that don't want to play with others, in my opinion. I'm going
0: straight up A+. Ooh. Tears of the Kingdom, like you said, that alone gets them a high score, but then you have Metroid Prime Remaster kirby's return to dreamland deluxe it has co-op but single player it, it plays great uh you mentioned fire emblem again has multiplayer component but the single player is kind of where it's at advance wars one plus two just so oh, many pikmin amazing games.
1: forgot about pikmin
0: pikmin 1 and 2 i mean there's just so many great games Straight lights you mentioned the final fantasy pixel remaster games those are six enormous single player games yeah sonic origins plus uh geez just so many great games you can play single player on switch and you mentioned theater rhythm final bar line persona games yeah like this is one of the best starts to a year for a single player experience that i can remember i agree so i'm giving it an a plus but Let's go to the other side of the coin here. Multiplayer games. What score would you give or what grade would you give the switch for multiplayer games?
1: Um, ooh, this one's tough. Cause I'm, I'm not really like looking to play multiplayer on switch necessarily. Um, but perhaps that's because the offerings don't really sing too much in that regard. So I don't know. I'm, I think I'm a C, uh, I look at, uh, namely like Fire Emblem Engage has multiplayer elements, but I don't think they're like necessarily that great, especially compared to the rest of the package. They're fine. They're they're there if you want them, but um, they're not like memorable compared to the single player stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a good description for a lot of multiplayer components in Switch games this year. It's there if you want it, but that's not why you're there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my thinking as well. See, there's just not a whole lot of, like multiplayer centric experiences. Like I said, Kirby's return to dreamland deluxe has co-op. If you want to play it, I believe it's local only though. Mm. So that that's kind of a detraction. Everybody One to switch same thing. It, it's it's that you can't even play that single player. And I've, I continue to say, I had fun with what I've played of everybody One to switch, but you need to play it locally. You can't play it online. Yeah. Um, uh, there's just not a whole lot there in terms of it. So I might even go C minus honestly with multiplayer. Ooh, ooh, okay. Um, so let's go to this actually, because part of the first half of 2023 was the latest Nintendo direct. And that essentially was setting the stage for the remainder of 2023. So I'm going to include that here. What grade would you give them for getting you hyped for the rest of the year?
1: Ooh, (sighs) do you have a list of of stuff announced right now? I'm, I'm blanking. All I can think of is Mario. We have the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet expansions. We have Sonic
0: Superstars. We have Pallia. We have Persona 5 Tactica. We have Splatoon 3's expansion. Detective Pikachu Returns. Super Mario RPG. We have the Batman Arkham Trilogy. We have Fay Farm. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope DLC. Pikmin 4. We've talked about that. Vampire Survivors. Uh the last DLC wave for Mario Kart 8, WarioWare Move It, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. So that's what we're working with the second half of the year, according to the Nintendo Direct.
1: I would say that that I'm very excited. Um, I've never played Super Mario RPG, but I've heard great things, and now I get to play it. Um, We just talked about how much we enjoyed Scarlet and Violet, so of course new DLC is exciting. And I'm excited to see what that DLC is. Cause I still don't really have a good idea of necessarily what it is. Um, and then obviously, you know, super Mario wonder is I'm so, so excited for that game. I'm, I'm in the camp of the, okay, I'm tired of the new super Mario bros art style. And this one looks really awesome. And I love how expressive Mario is. So like, Wonder alone has me excited to be a Switch owner this fall. And then, yeah, we're getting things like uh, Persona 5 Tactica and, and Pikmin 4 next week and uh, all the other stuff I mentioned. I'm very stoked. Did we mention Detective Pikachu? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, that's, I've not played the first one. seems like you don't need to to play this one. I'm very interested in checking this game out.
0: So what's seems... the grade for, for how they got you hyped for the second half?
1: Grade, I would say... I'll say B plus
0: ah, we're in line. Cause that is also <laughs> my grade. I was toying with an a minus, but I, I think that it's while well, super Mario brothers wonder looks incredible. It's kind of, it feels like they're kind of missing that giant tentpole title outside of that, like a tears of the kingdom would be, but we already yeah. got that this year. So we can't really complain, but I'm still going to say they've gotten me hyped a B plus, which is a very good score, by the way, before people yeah. come from my head. Um, <laughs> So that leaves us with the final grade here. What overall grade would you give Nintendo for its first half of 2023?
1: Taking all those into account, let's see. I will say in A-. minus. Man, and that that is right where I am
0: as well. <laughs> Taking into account the kind of the lack of multiplayer experiences, like in, in yeah. any meaningful way. Uh the the super strong single player, the third-party support with which is slightly lacking, but still pretty solid. And then the outstanding Nintendo exclusives. I'm going A- as well. Super strong start to the year for Nintendo. And I I'm I'm excited for what the switch is right now. And I'm hoping that even if, if this is kind of like the last hurrah for the switch this year, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for what this little console that shouldn't compete with the big boys in any way because of like how underpowered it is like by conventional wisdom, this system should not be competing with the powerhouses that are Xbox series X and PlayStation five. And yet they have the the ace up their sleeve every single time of they happen to have the greatest developer of all time exclusively developing for them. Yeah. It also just happens to be the company that makes the console. So <laughs> just goes I think, to
1: show games are king. You can have all that power, but if you're not making fun games, it doesn't mean a thing.
0: Yeah, well, it's not like the PlayStation and Xbox are <laughs> yeah, like hurting for games yeah, either, yeah, yeah. but... We just talked about those three major games that came out in June that did not come to Switch. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a kind of our look back at the first half of 2023 for Nintendo. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get Wes's review of Oxenfree 2. We will be right back after this brief musical intermission. There wasn't any real news this week, but we did have a new release in the form of a sequel to a beloved indie title. That new release is Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. And Wes, you played and reviewed it for us. So that's what this second segment is going to be all about. So I guess, Wes, talk to me a little bit about what the uh, the elevator pitch is for Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals.
1: So Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals picks up five years after the original game. Um, and it plays very similarly, which is to say, uh, for the most part, you're here to experience a story. And there is gameplay. You're walking around and exploring this island um, but everything you do is in service to hearing more of the story. Uh, while you're exploring, like in the first game, you have a radio that you can use to interact with things in the environment because there's some strange sci fi ghostly phenomena, apparition type stuff happening on this island. And that's, you know, your job is to find out what's going on. So I won't speak too much on that. Um, the, the new addition to free 2 which is funny to say, cause it's not really that big of an addition is a walkie talkie, which lets you talk to other people on the Island, um, which again, it's just more narrative, more of the story, more of the characters. Um, but yeah. So, so in Oxenfree two, you play as Riley and she's in a new island, a new place called Kamina, which is not far from the first game setting of Edwards Island. And you're there on day one of your job as an environmental uh, scientist, researcher type person. And, you're supposed to go set up a transmitter on the top of the island and you do that with your coworker, Jacob. And when you do that, things go ari. And if you're familiar with the first game, a very familiar, strange, uh, triangular prism appears over Edwards Island behind Kamina. And things start to go strange and bad and you're going to spend the entire night with Jacob and Riley trying to solve this mystery and make sure that nobody gets hurt. Um, There's Colts, there's teenagers who are very desperate for their actions to take place. And there is a lot of like heartfelt storytelling. Um, If I, if you haven't played Oxenfree, the thing to get across is like, it is not a very gameplay intensive game. If you're someone who doesn't, like visual novels so much, then you might not vibe with this game as much. Mind you, it's a lot more hands-on than a visual novel. But in the same way a visual novel works, Like your primary motivation for playing this game should be to experience a story. If you're looking for gameplay, you're not going to have a good time, probably. Um, But if you're after a really good story, then Oxenfree 2 is a game you should play. You don't need to play the first game to enjoy it, but I would highly recommend it. One, because that first game is good. And two, there are some things that tie into Oxen Free 2. Yeah. yeah. How, re- how rewarding is it that like if you know the stuff
0: from the first game that you're gonna really get out of the second game?
1: It's it's definitely it's it's interesting. It's not like super rewarding in a cameo-esque way. Like there are big elements of the first game that come into play here, but they don't really you don't need that knowledge from one at all to understand the impact. It's more of just like Oh yeah, I I remember that name, or I remember this character or this event happening. Um so it's not gonna be super impactful if you if you have played the first game. It was more of like a oh yeah, this is cool, rather than like a oh my god, I can't believe this. And you talked about how kind of it's it's less
0: hands-on with the the gameplay. Yeah. What does the gameplay actually look like in this
1: game? So it's a watercolor-esque island area and you just kind of walk around. You can climb up cliffs with a rope or just by like climbing. You can go into mines and all these different areas of the island, but like you're really just walking around and while talking to characters, you have dialogue options that appear overhead and they're simple. They're, they're quick and easy to hit. You know, you can kind of be kind or you can be sarcastic or you can be straight up mean if you want. Um, and those kind of flavor the uh, narrative. I don't I don't get the sense that they drastically change it. Um, so it's more just about shaping who you want the protagonist Riley to be, but yeah, so you're just leisurely walking around. You're at your own pace. You're exploring how you want. Um, you do have like objectives, but, um, yeah, you're just walking around and talking. I know it's not like the most exciting pitch, but it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. Well, you talked about shaping the
0: protagonist. How much player choice comes into the equation here?
1: So it's, it's about, At the end of the story, I suspect that my Riley will be pretty similar to yours and to everyone else's. It's just that mine will be maybe more kind than yours, or maybe yours will be more mean. But you're not like drastically changing the story. There are no moments where it's like, if you choose A, you're going down this path. And if you choose B, you're going down this path. Um, There's a big choice at the end of the game that does have that. But the rest of the game is very like, it's pretty linear. And then you can kind of just you know, kind of color things up a little bit.
0: Now, I haven't played the first Oxenfree. Is that kind of how it played out in the first game as well?
1: The first game had multiple endings, and it also had a true ending. Um, I'm making my way through a second playthrough of Oxenfree 2. I don't get the sense there is a true ending uh, like there was in the first game. Um, But yeah, I think the first game has a little bit more of the branching narrative type stuff you might expect.
0: And I'm assuming the true ending is the canonical ending in that, that gets carried forward into Oxenfree Two, or does it matter?
1: Uh, hmm. Without spoiling, I would say it doesn't matter too much. It's more of like a, the true ending to me kind of feels more of like an extension than a drastically different ending. If that makes sense.
0: And when I think about games like this, that are like the story is such an integral part to the experience I think of games like Persona 5. We've talked about that in the first segment of the show. And how much I just longed for additional adventures with those characters. Like, that's why I loved mm-hmm. Persona 5 Strikers. That's why I'm so excited for Persona 5 Tactica. Do you get that satisfaction from this where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm catching up with these characters five years later, right? And yes, it's- yeah it's just kind of like it's scratching that itch of seeing what these characters are up to and and learning kind of like the next chapter of their lives. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the way the story ends, there's like a definitive end to their narrative. Um, so I'm not necessarily looking for like additional story beats beyond what happens in Oxenfree 2, but I really enjoyed hanging out with, uh, riley and Jacob and then using the radio to talk to people there's an old man on a boat out in the ocean who's scared because the ocean's getting quite fearsome and he wants you to check in on him every now and then just to make sure he's okay there's a radio dj uh who for a high school radio that like talks people through their relationship problems it's it's little characters like that so while I'm not like begging or asking for more story beyond the credits i Thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with these characters, which is why I'm playing it again. It's fun to exist with them and have these conversations within the confines of Oxenfree 2's story.
0: Oh, I meant primarily like Oxenfree Two coming from Oxenfree One. Like, oh, does I see what you're provide saying. Provide you that. Like, is there any element of that where it's like, oh, cool, like seeing how this world has evolved or seeing how these characters have evolved?
1: There's a little bit of that, but not really. It's on a. It's in a new setting. There are some returning elements, I'll say. But it wasn't like this big continuation that I wanted out of one. One kind of ended on a note where I was like, okay, I'm satisfied with this. I'm good to go. I don't necessarily need more. Um, which is why, honestly, going into Oxenfree 2 prior to Summer Game Fest where I first played it, I wasn't even, it wasn't even really on my radar. Uh, I liked Oxenfree, but it wasn't a, a series I was clamoring for more of other than the fact that they told a good story and I am always down for another good story. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say two feels like getting more of that world. It kind of just feels like another story happening in that world. And there are some familiar, um, aspects to it. The way that it plays off of one is fun and there's some heartfelt moments in that, but again, yeah, it's definitely doing its own thing.
0: And Oxenfree one came out in 2016 and in the time since the studio where that was actually acquired by Netflix. And yeah. do, do you happen to know any, like, was it evident the the like the like change in kind of like the way games are developed or like does it feel like, you know, sometimes like a studio will get acquired and it's like, oh, well, this studio is clearly or the, the publisher that acquired them or whatever, clearly putting their stamp on this game. Does it seem like the development has kind of remained independent, even though they have been acquired by this massive entity now?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think so. This game feels... If I didn't know it wasn't published by Netflix, then like I would have never guessed that. It feels like the first Oxenfree in terms of charm and delivery, and even the way it plays. Um, and funny enough, I didn't I didn't mention this in my review because it's kind of a small thing. But like the loading is not great in the game. There's like there's loading screens in it, which are only a couple seconds long. But in this day and age, I'm not used to loading screens really anymore. Um, so like the the Netflix budget that we assume they would get doesn't necessarily translate to like a, a more masterfully made game or anything it still feels like a night school studio game and the only really imprint of netflix i can feel is that this game's like definitely got that stranger things type vibe like 80s uh summer camp-esque story but I don't think that's Netflix coming in as publisher and being like, you should do this. I think it's just the first game was already kind of in that territory. And then we've had four seasons of Stranger Things since. And maybe there's some like osmosis there. Um, but I, I don't get the sense that Netflix mandated or requested or do anything really had an imprint. It feels like they knew Night School Studio was a good game and they wanted to bolster their Netflix gaming options. So they bought Night School and said, hey, keep making the games you make, which is always, you know, best case scenario with the developer, I think.
0: Yeah, that and like if they could give them some more funding or whatever, like those are the yeah. two big things. Like you want them to kind of leave them alone creatively, but also give them the money they need to accomplish their their lofty goals. For sure. And uh, also the other thing that people may notice from Netflix in this is that it is included with your subscription. Yeah. If uh, if you're a Netflix subscriber, I guess you get the iOS and Android version for free if you just go into the app. And I guess there's a games tab and you can download a copy of Oxenfree 2 to your phone for free.
1: Yeah, so. I think it would be fine. I don't know. I don't I don't like to play any game with the annoying like, you know, use a, a digital touchpad on your phone to like move characters. Um, but I don't think this game's doing anything so intensive where that would be a huge hassle. I'd still try to play it with a controller if I could, even if it means like hooking a controller up to my phone, but um yeah, there's there's no, not really a reason to play this and on any one platform, um, I think it would feel right at home wherever you play.
0: Yeah, and if you do want to check it out, it's on PlayStation Five, Switch, PS4, and PC. In addition to those two mobile
1: versions that I mentioned, what did you give the game? I gave it an eight, which is very great underscore or pretty great. It's great. I gave it an eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't mean to rhyme so much, but yeah, I think uh, it, it's a it's a really good eight. Um, It's not if you've played Oxenfree, it's going to feel like extremely familiar, like it it wasn't as innovative mechanically as I would have liked from a game that's, you know, a sequel to one that came out in 2016. Um, But I got more great story, which at the end of the day is what I really wanted from a sequel.
0: And the last question I have for you, do they ever tell you what Oxenfree means aside from Ali Ali Oxenfree?
1: That is really funny you mentioned that because until this exact moment, I've never thought about that title. I don't know what oxen free means. I have no idea why they use that. I'm just looking at
0: this word sitting on my, my notes here and I'm just like, what is this word?
1: <laughs> yeah, what the is it? Okay, all y'all oxen free is a catchphrase or truce term used in children's games such as hide and seek, capture the flag, and kick the can. To indicate players who are hiding can come out in the open that doesn't maybe that, i supernatural no occurrence that is
0: coming out into. The, i don't know i have no Fuck idea what that. it could possibly mean but that's a mystery <laughs> for another day i guess uh we're gonna take our final break of this show and when we get back we'll be doing definitive ranking and eshop gem of the week we will be right back We are back and it is time for Definitive Ranking, a recurring segment where we take a Nintendo topic and give our personal top five lists. We don't really go in depth on non-Nintendo anniversaries on this show, but I did notice that this weekend, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic turns 20 years old. Now that game is available on Switch, but it's most known for like its other platforms. I think it was on the original Xbox, it was on PC. Those are the versions that stick out the most. And a lot of people consider that one of the greatest Star Wars games of all time. So to commemorate that without going super in-depth on the development of that game, Wes, this week, I want to get your top five Star Wars games of all time. So you know the drill. Count it down from five to one. Give me a sentence or two about each.
1: Yes. I feel like this is a tradition I have on the show now where my number five is kind of a cheating answer, but I'm just going to do it anyway. (laughs) Number five for me is Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, which is technically a video game, but it is the... um, very premium VR experience that they had at Disney Springs back in like 2016 or something. Oh, wow. um, you put on a headset and you hold like a, an like a, you know, toy gun that feels like a blaster and you walk through like an entire warehouse. And it's um basically you're in a, an Imperial base trying to escape from Darth Vader. Uh, and there's like, I don't know how they do it, but like when there's flames in your headset, you feel hot there's like vibrations on your chest and all kinds of stuff. Very, very immersive. I loved it. It's a video game, although it's not one that we can access at all today, but, um, (laughs) that's my number five, which is also a cheat. All right. Number four is star Wars episode three, um, revenge of the Sith. I forget what console this came out on, but I loved this game. It was PS two. Yeah. I love this game. Okay. Yeah. 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 As I probably played it on definitely PS two. Um, I love this game. It's, you know, it's a classic, like movie turned game thing where the story is pretty shoddily put together, but I had a really great time. The multiplayer was good fun. It was kind of like a fighting game, but with Jedi. And also it has a, uh, alternative ending where at the end, uh, instead of becoming Darth Vader, Anakin kills, uh, Palpatine and takes over right then and there. And I thought that was so cool. Let me tell you something um, about
0: this game. I was so excited for star Wars episode three to come to theaters. So I bought this game cuz it came out before the movie. It just spoils the entire movie. Did it
1: come out before the movie? <laughs> yeah, it was like a week before the movie. So I played oh through the entire gosh. thing and I'm just like, "Oh, okay, so that's how that goes down." That is so funny. They would never do that today. Oh no, because they, of social media. Can you imagine? Oh my god. Like my
0: teacher at the time, my my government teacher, cuz I was in high school, she was the biggest Star Wars nerd I've ever known in my life. She was awesome, but she was a huge Star Wars nerd. And I remember like coming in, I was just like, oh yeah, here's this, 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 and this. And she's like, why are you telling me this? <laughs>
1: That's so funny. I love that. I did not know that. That is hilarious. That was so stupid. But all right, number three. Number three is, I don't remember the name being this, but I looked up and it it is the name. Uh, I don't know what I called it back as a kid, but Star Wars Super Bomb Bad Racing. Um, oh boy. It <laughs> It is a, uh, like, a, I don't even know how to describe it. Kind of chibi, chibi-esque. Like, it's big head Star Wars characters on tiny vehicles. And it was like a destruction derby, one half destruction derby type game, another half, like, racing Um I can't imagine it holds up at all, but it came it's out terrible. around. Terrible! It came out around the release of uh, Phantom Menace, and I I have such fond memories playing it with my brothers. Um, and I'm just going to keep it that way. I'm never going to number touch number it again. two
0: is Masters of Kasi. <laughs> but no, we actually did this as for an episode of Replay a few years ago. And I just remember being in awe of how terrible it is. <laughs> Sorry. Well,
1: my <laughs> memories of it are great. I'm um, sure they a, are. There's a lot of Star Wars games I haven't played, which is why things like Super Bombad Racing end up on my list. But number two, I think a lot of people would agree with, um, is Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront 2. The, the original one? Yeah. Specifically, okay. I played it a lot on PSP, but you know it was obviously available elsewhere. Um, I just think that's the the best that multiplayer Star Wars can and has been. And I have very fond memories. It was the first game I downloaded on my Steam Deck using a very legal ROM that I already owned. So it was totally allowed. Um, and it's still good fun. And there are servers still live today, which um, is a testament of how great that game is.
0: Yeah, that almost made my list, and I'll tell you why it
1: didn't uh, On we get to mine. But what's your number one? Number one, not really, probably too much of a surprise, but uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is... Came out this year, one of my favorite games of the year. It's fantastic, and up until Final Fantasy 16, it had what I one of my favorite moments in all of video games, which I won't spoil. But if you've played it, you know it. It's um, from Jeddah and uh, it's an escape of sorts, and it's really it's a blast. It had me like hooting and hollering in my living room. Uh, that game rules. I'm so excited to see what they do with a third game, and I'm especially impressed with it because I did not really care for Fallen Order that much. I really Still, don't really understand the hype around it. It never felt good to play to me, and the story was kind of lackluster to me. But Survivor improved in every way I would have wanted as a sequel.
0: Survivor is so good. Um, spoiler alert! That is my number one as well. But we're gonna we're gonna go back to uh, number five for me first, and that this is kind of my super bombad racing of my list, <laughs> and this is more just a sentimental pick. Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. It was an N64 game, and Objectively, I think it's not a great game, but I remember playing it with my friends. Like I remember going to a friend's house and he had Star Wars Shadows of the Empire and being like, Oh, there's a Star Wars game on N64. This is so cool. And it was like you were playing as like not Han Solo, flying the not Millennium Falcon. And it probably isn't a very good game today. It probably wasn't even a very good game back then, but You know, there's some cool stuff in it, and I loved playing it back when I was a kid. So I do understand where you're coming from with the Super Bombad Racing. I just wanted to give you some crap. (laughs) Number four, Star Wars Battlefront Two, but I went with the new one. Oh, and I'll tell you why. It's controversial because that game was just loathful. Is that if that's a a proper word? When it came out, I hated it when it first came out because it was so full of microtransactions. It was so Pay to win, pay to customize your character, everything.
1: It's a very important game for gaming history. Like it changed the trajectory of how microtransactions happens.
0: It really did. And EA, to their credit, went back and they corrected a lot of those mistakes. And if you go in and play uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 today, it is a completely different game. It's substantially better. The visuals are incredible. Like playing through Mm -hmm. some of those battles, I'm like, man, this looks so good. And you know, when Rise of Skywalker came out, I went and bought like the, the sky, the, like the, I don't even remember what it was called. It was like, it wasn't called the Skywalker Saga Edition or something, but it was like some special edition that had like all of the content. And I had a blast with that for a few weeks after Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, it's, it's a very solid game now. It, it wasn't for a, for a couple of years there. And Star Wars Battlefront 1, the first, the first one in this second run of star Wars battlefront games was very not good. And I'm glad that they made a lot of adjustments, necessary adjustments following the launch of battlefront two. And it's a very solid game that I will, I will champion in 2023.
1: Did you like the story in Two? I feel like people don't talk about it too much.
0: It was fine. Like, yeah. I think I liked the, the character, but not really the story. I think that they could have done more with it. It was a little underwhelming in a lot of places, But it was overall not like the most offensive thing I've ever seen. Like a lot of people like to play off anything that they don't like in Star Wars as like (laughs) the end of the world. Um, But yeah, it was inoffensive. It was forgettable. But I had a fun time with it. I did play through it. Number three for me, I used to like the Lego games a lot, but they've kind of become so homogenized they Mm -hmm. all feel like you're playing the same game whether it's lego avengers or lego indiana jones or lego star wars that's why i liked lego star wars the skywalker saga so much and that is on switch that is a game that they basically remade episodes one through nine with this new style with like new gameplay and it's all one unified experience and it plays well i had a great time with it and it's so cool to have it all in one package i think they've also put out some rogue one and mandalorian dlc for it yes yeah. so it's a it's one of my favorites for sure there's voice acting in it too there is yeah that, that is something that did not typically exist in a lot of these games uh now we're getting into the good stuff i already, t- I already spoiled my number one pick but number two Star Wars Rogue Squadron on N64.
1: Ooh, okay. Oh yeah.
0: boy, what a fun, like, dogfighting game. It's so wild to me that, like, my two favorite, like, aerial splash space combat games of all time are on the N64, and that is Star Fox 64 and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. I played this game endlessly. So much fun completing the missions that they give you. And I know they've put out other, like, space combat games in the star wars series most recently i think squadrons on yeah playstation and xbox and pc but rogue Squadrons is always gonna have a special place in my heart and it's just it was simple but super fun and enjoyable and i loved every single minute of it yep and then star wars jedi survivors number one it's it, they learned all the right lessons from uh fallen order i think i liked fallen order a bit more than you did but i i felt i always felt like i liked it a bit less than everybody else Mm-hmm. but Star Wars yeah. Jedi Survivor, I am full on aboard the hype train for this game. It's one of my favorite games of the year. It was my game of the year until Tears of the Kingdom came out. And it's uh, it, it's going to be in my top five probably easily, unless you know all these games that we've talked about already that are coming out at the end of the year, the Spider-Man, the, the Alan Wake 2s, the Super Mario Brothers Wander, if those all hit the way we hope they're going to hit and Star Wars Jedi Survivor ends up outside of my top five that is going to be a special year for gaming
1: yeah we're going to do like a top 20 for our game of the year issue oh god no way we can do 10
0: (laughs) all right so we're going to wrap up with the way that we've wrapped up in a lot of the episodes of all things Nintendo. that is the eShop gem of the week chance to give some shine to a game that might not otherwise get it in this case it's not getting it because it came out long before all things nintendo existed it was a launch title for the nintendo switch it is Snipper Clips, cut it out together.
1: Oh, that was a launch title? Oh my yeah. gosh. Did you ever Tons. play this? I didn't know, but I thought it was interesting. It's a fun, it, it's meant to be a co op puzzle, I guess, kind of
0: a platformer, but mostly just a puzzle game where you are these like paper craft characters and your job is to complete various tasks by cutting parts of your each other off and like form. Like, so if you have to like, have a marble drop, and then you have to form a ramp out of your characters, and that marble has to drop on one character, throw the marble to your other character, and then have it shoot up into the area that you need to get it to. You have to sometimes you have to make the most precise cuts of these characters to make sure they're the right shape to complete the task. And when you finally do it, it is so satisfying. And also, I just love saying the word snipper clips
1: yeah, it's a, it's good a word. fun
0: word to say. And they did put out DLC, which I did not check out. but i I loved snipper clips, cut it out together when it first came out. I would love to play more of it with like a co-op partner. So um, maybe one day i'll I'll dust this off again. I did just reinstall it. and that's what made me think of bringing this up as an eShop gem. But if you missed snipper clips when it first came out or like you didn't have a switch yet and you just kind of it went under your radar. It's twenty dollars, but I would imagine it probably goes on sale a decent amount. And it, like I said, it came out in twenty seventeen. So check out snipper clips. Uh, if you like puzzle games. It has a charming art style. It has really clever puzzle mechanics, and it's really satisfying to like punch through one of your your teammates, almost like you know, like a hole punch. Mm-hmm. And it makes it changes the shape of them, and it. It's just so satisfying to do that and find the right shape to solve your puzzle. So that is my eShop gem of the week this week. Uh, Anything else before we wrap up here, Wes?
1: No, I think uh, it's great to be a Switch owner.
0: It really is. So thank you for joining me for this episode, Wes. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in you can get in touch with me at all at gameinformer.com or hit me up on instagram at brian pichet i'm also at brian pichet on both blue sky and thread so make sure you follow me there if you feel so inclined And you can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. I'm in there pretty frequently interacting with everybody who listens to both this show and the Game Informer show, and also just the community at large. We've got a great community over there, so come join us if you would like to. Wes, tell people where they can find you online.
1: You can find me on GameInformer.com, writing stuff daily. You can find me on YouTube.com slash Game Informer with some new new gameplay today's we put two up this week about some upcoming beat-em-ups if you like those kinds of games and you can find me on god everything twitter threads blue sky all the whatever stuff that we all have to sign up for now at leblanc west i'm the same everywhere so um yeah i don't know which one is going to be the winner after all this but uh one day we will have just one social network, probably, and it I'll feels be the like, quest there.
0: It feels like Threads if they can get their act together
1: and make it the user interface better. They've they're the clear winner. Yeah, but then the FTC is gonna have to step in because that's gonna be a monopoly. Yeah, we'll see because there's <laughs> there's
0: plenty of businesses that also do that. But that is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.